Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. All right, but if you have your Bibles open to Exodus chapter 18 or your devices turned there to Exodus chapter 18, we're going to return to this reunion. If you remember, reunion between Moses and his father-in-law Jethro in, um, in Exodus chapter 18. Now, remember last week there were two things that were happening on two different levels, if you remember me talking about that. On the uh, on the one hand, on a very basic level, very obvious level, uh, Moses was being reunited with his family, especially his wife Zipporah, his two sons, their two sons. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, there, was, there was something more significant that was taking place on a, on a different kind of a, an allegorical kind of level as well. And that was that through Moses... Uh, the descendants of Abraham through Midian, Jethro was the priest of Midian, he was Zipporah's father. So the, the descendants of Abraham through Midian were being reconciled to the descendants of Abraham through Jacob, uh, or as we know, Israel. So those that had been, we spent some time talking about this last week, those that had been excluded from the promise now were being included, and Moses here functions as Again, on an allegorical kind of level, uh, Moses functions as a, a type of Christ, bringing uh, the two together and thereby illustrating what Jesus Christ has done for us, that he has reconciled us. We were at one time a far away, alienated from God because of our sins. Now Jesus Christ has reconciled us uh, to God. So it illustrates what Jesus has done for us. So the passage that we're going to look at this morning uh, functions in a very similar, similar way. It's an, it has with it an obvious interpretation, and we'll see that. Um, an obvious interpretation, very practical application um, that's very obvious when, when we read it. But when you look deeper at the text, it says something more about what God desires for us as the people of God. All right, so you're ready? Let's read Exodus chapter 18, beginning in verse number 13. So the next day, again, this is in the middle of this reunion. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to inquire, uh, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover... Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, 
who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and he made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and of tens, and they judged the people at all times. And any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. And then Moses left his father-in-law, then Moses let his father-in-law depart. And he went away to his own country. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that it, it has so much for us. That, God, it has practical applications for our lives, God, that, make, that improve our lives and help us, God, to live in such a way uh, that, Lord, it is more beneficial to us. It helps us, God, to know how to serve you better. We thank you for that. Father, we pray that you'd speak to us from your word this morning over these next several minutes. God, there is a, there is a need uh, that each one of us have, God. Some that are here this morning, Lord, that have um, burdens that they are bearing this morning, God, that I believe that you want to give them help with. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to them hope, God, that they would see Jesus Christ high and lifted up. And that, God, you have made provision uh, for them this morning. So, God, I pray that burdens are lifted this morning, that needs are met, God, that you do a work, Lord, in our hearts and in our lives. Do Indeed, God, do a work in our church that will glorify your name. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, in, uh, in other contexts, I've, I've already mentioned the enormous task that uh, Moses faced managing a multitude of people that was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 2.5, maybe uh, 3 million people. Um, so we've talked about what an enormous task that would have been to provide food for that many people, um, how difficult it would have been to ensure water for that many people. We talked about how difficult it would have been moving that many people across the desert, 2.5. I mean, imagine 2.5 million people um, taking care of their needs, managing them in the midst of what the Bible says is a wilderness, a desert place. Um, so it would have been a daunting uh, task. So the, there, would, there would have been multiple logistical nightmares for, for Moses managing that many people. Indeed, um, what we've seen so far concerning that is that without the wisdom that God gives Moses and, and without the miracles uh, that God works for the people of Israel, how many knows all, it, it would have been an impossible task. He would not, <laughs> he would not have been able to do it by himself if he hadn't, first of all, sought God's wisdom and if he didn't have God working miracles on their behalf. So that's why Moses 
sought God so often. He spent time in God's presence asking for wisdom, asking for direction. And so God gave him specific direction for the children or for the nation of Israel. And, and that in itself is an important uh, thing for us to remember this morning. We, we, should, we should always seek God for his help when we face difficult assignments. Can you say amen? You're facing something you don't know how to do. I talked about this Wednesday night. If we lack wisdom, James says, if you lack wisdom, come to God and ask. And he, he will hear your prayer and he will give you wisdom. Amen. How many knows it's foolish not to ask God for wisdom when you're making decisions and when you're doing things uh, in your life? So it's foolish not to ask. But in these verses, we learn about another logistical problem that Moses faced with the people of Israel. Apparently, he was, he was alone. Uh, he alone was responsible to judge uh, the disputes for all of the descendants of Israel. Now, again, that's, remember, that's 2.53 million people. You know what that means? That means that, that, means that all of the people brought all of their problems to Moses. <laughs> oh, can you imagine uh, hearing the complaints of 2.5 million people? Lord, have mercy, right? <laughs> um, and, and if we know anything about the descendants of Israel up to this point, we know this. We know they complained a lot, didn't they? <laughs> And Moses had to hear every one of their complaints for all of the people. So the Bible says that Moses sat from morning until evening, listening to and passing judgment on the various questions and the various controversies that arose um, among the people. Now, we presume that he didn't do this every day, that there was a day set aside once, you know, I don't know, once a week, once a month, um, however often. Um, because he wouldn't have been able to do anything else otherwise, right? If every day he just sat and listened to the complaints of all the people. So, um, so he sat from morning till evening, at least on this occasion, listening to the questions, the controversies that arose among the people. Um, but on this day in particular, Jethro, his father-in-law, uh, was there. And Jethro makes an obvious observation to Moses. He says to Moses, what you're doing is not good, how many imagine that Moses probably said, you're telling me, right? <laughs> I don't need my father-in-law to tell me that this is not good. No, so Jethro makes an um, obvious observation. What you're doing is not good. In fact, he tells Moses that this is not a, uh, this is not a sustainable model for managing so many people. And Jethro warns Moses, he says, you're going to wear yourself out. And, and not only yourself, he says, you and the people, you're going to wear the people out uh, too. You're going to, both of you are going to wear out. And then Jethro offers some practical advice uh, to Moses. He tells Moses that he should appoint able men from among the people and that then he should divide the work among those men. That Moses should allow those men uh, to judge the people at all times, and then not just one day a week or not just one day a month, but at all times they're available to the people, and then that they can bring only the more difficult matters 
uh, to Moses. And uh, Jethro says, this will, this will give, much, give you much needed relief, but just as importantly, it would also facilitate a more rapid response to the questions and the controversies that arose among the people because the men were available. The people could come to them directly and give their questions or their complaints or voice their issues, and then they could settle those complaints quickly if they were able to, and then, and then only then if they needed to, they could take them up uh, to Moses, up the chain of command to Moses. So again, here, here again, there's some very practical advice, a very obvious application here in this passage, and that is that delegating responsibility to more leaders makes sense. And so Jethro encourages Moses, appoint able men, delegate this responsibility to them, allow them to take the burden uh, off of your shoulders, give you some relief and to help the people as well. How many knows it was an inspired solution that helped Moses manage the multitude much more effectively from that day forward? And here's the thing, and it increased the knowledge of God by multiplying the number of people who now understood the statutes of God the laws of God and who are able to make decisions based on the truth that God had revealed to Moses. Now that, that last point is very important and that's what, I, that's what I want to focus on. Not that the other point's unimportant, but that's, that last point is what I want to focus on for just a few moments uh, this morning. Um, you see, not only did Moses have to select men to serve as chiefs, or captains, I think another version says captains. So not only did Moses have to select men to serve as captains over tens and over fifties and over one hundreds and then over one thousands, but he also, the Bible said that he also, uh, Jethro also advised that he needed to warn them about the statutes and the laws and to make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. That's verse number 20. Now that applied uh, it seems to all of the people, Jethro is saying to Moses, you know, right now it seems you're the only one who knows how all of this works and what God's uh, expectation is and what God's statutes are. And God's, so that's why they bring everything to you. What does God say about this, Moses? What is, you know, what, what should we do about this situation? So Jethro says, so you need to warn the people about the statutes. You need to tell them about God's laws. You need to, and, and in particular, um, you need to train these captains, these men, to, to understand God's statutes, to know the truth of what God's law is, and train them how to decide these issues between people as, as those issues arise. And so that means that what Moses had to do, not only did he have to select able men to do that, but it means that Moses had to teach them God's laws that he had to train them how to discern God's will so that they could decide those matters. And here's the thing. How many understands that that increased exponentially the number of people who now understood and who could apply God's truth into their life? It's, not, it's no longer just Moses who understood what God's statutes were and who knew how to discern truth. 
But Moses trained men, and he taught them God's law, and so that increased exponentially the number of people who now understood God's law. They understood the truth, and they were capable of discerning uh, direction and making decisions about God's truth. That had, that had been part of the problem up to that point. Only Moses, it seems, only Moses uh, knew the mind of God. Only, they, only, they only trusted him to know what God said about a particular issue. Therefore, the people came to inquire of Moses so that he could do what? So that he could inquire of God because only Moses knew the mind uh, of God. So uh, there is more here than just the practical solution to the problem. How many see and understand that this represents a, a radical redistribution of the knowledge of God's will and the ability to be able to apply God's will and obey God's will? In fact, a, um, a conservative number or a conservative estimate of the number of captains that were required to implement Jethro's advice is about, this is conservative, is about 80,000 men. So, so it wasn't just like, you know, 10 men, 12 men. It was 80, probably 80,000 men. <laughs> I mean, wrap your mind around that for just a second. And that's conservative. That's if... If you assume that when it says over tens, and it's talking about like ten households, and, and not just ten people. If you if you take it as individuals, then it's more like um, a quarter of a million people that Moses would have had to train. But let's assume that he's talking about households over ten households, over fifty households. Um, then the structure would require about eighty thousand men that Moses would have to teach. God's law to train them how to discern truth and how to make decisions um, with, God's, with God's law. Now think about that. From one person knowing and doing God's will, one person, to all of a sudden tens of thousands of people knowing and doing God's will. That's an exponential increase that is similar to only one other episode in the Word of God. An exponential increase in the number of people who know God's will and do God's will. It's only, there's only one other place in Scripture that is similar. And do you know which one uh, it is? If you thought about the day of Pentecost and the book of Acts, you'd be right. You'd be right. The birth of the New Testament church occurs with a similar kind of explosion, doesn't it? The, the birth of the New Testament church occurs with an explosion that is similar to the birth of the people of Israel in the book of Exodus. They are, they are both delivered by, by what? By one man. It's one, Moses comes and delivers the people of Israel. Jesus comes and delivers his people. They do what? They select disciples themselves. And eventually those disciples receive what? The knowledge and the ability to do God's will. And eventually those disciples increase exponentially 
Uh, after the day of Pentecost, they in, it increases exponentially the knowledge of God and it multiplies the number of people who have been given the authority to do what? To do the works of the one who has called them to be his disciple. So in this one chapter about Jethro, not only do we have a, again, not only do we have some very practical advice um, but in this one chapter about Jethro, we have a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us by reconciling us back to God the Father. And then also a compelling illustration of God's desire that we would receive the ability to know his will and to do the works that Jesus Christ has, has done for us. You see, in this passage, Jethro gives Moses some good organizational advice. But again, it's a, it's a sort of, it's a kind of allegory. And this time it's, it's an allegory about the Spirit-filled church, the people of God who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, who now have God's Word in their hearts, implanted in their hearts. They know God's will. They no longer have to be directed by somebody. They know God's will, and they have been empowered to do the works that Jesus Christ has done. You may remember that before Jesus was crucified, he began to prepare his disciples uh, for uh, what would happen next when, when he was crucified. Remember, he warned them that they were going to face adversity, and he explained to them uh, that he hadn't, he, he admitted to them, he said, now listen, when I'm crucified, this is going to happen, and, and he says to them in this interesting exchange in the book of John, he said, and I haven't really explained all of this to you before, um, and he said, and the reason is, is because I'm still with you, I'm here. You didn't need to know all of this because you can depend on me. I'm here, and I'm, I'm with you. Um, in other words, he was saying to them, up to that point, it had been unnecessary for him to explain everything uh, to them because they had him uh, with them so they could depend upon him to be their teacher and um, to show them God's, uh, to reveal God's will to them. Now, however, Jesus says that he's about to depart, and so it's important for him that they Know God's will concerning them. And so he says this to them, and this is in John. Uh, what is it? I got my chapters in John mixed up in my membership class this morning. I think this is John chapter 16. Jesus says this, nevertheless, he says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then later in that same chapter, he says this, and when the spirit of truth comes, here's what he will do. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. And all, listen to this, and all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. Can somebody say amen to this one? That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. 
God has given to him all power and all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. And what does Jesus Christ do for the church? He says, now everything that is mine, I'm going to give it to you and declare it to you. How did he do that? He did it on the day of Pentecost when he baptized his disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit and they were able to understand God's will and they were anointed and empowered to go and do the works that Jesus Christ had done. Somebody say praise the Lord. That's what God has done for us, the church that he has empowered us to do that. Previously, Jesus had said to them, I think this is John chapter 14, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So just as Moses gathered his, the ones that he called to himself, he gathered them around him and he taught them the law taught them God's will, and then he empowered them. He authorized them to go and to do what he had been doing in the same way Jesus called his disciples to himself and taught them and said, everything that God has, the Father has given to me, I'm giving to you. And now the works that I have been doing, you'll do those same works. Greater works than these will you do because I'm going away to... What happened? It instantly, the ministry was multiplied. The knowledge of, G, of God Almighty was increased, and it happened. It happened in, in um, Exodus chapter 18, and it happened on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when the church was empowered by the Holy Spirit and began to tell others about what God has done through Jesus Christ. What Jethro advised Moses to do, Jesus promised his disciples that he would do. And that is that God's people, now listen to me this morning, that God's people in a spirit-filled church, God's people can know God's will, can be led by God's spirit and empowered to do God's works. Amen? Because how, how is that to be? How can that happen? Well, it's because, thank God, we've received a helper, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? God has given his Holy Spirit to us so that we can do the works that Jesus Christ, so that we can understand God's will. We don't have to be in the dark about God's will anymore. We don't have to wander around and try to feel our way. We can understand God's will. We can know God's will. God's word says that when the spirit would come, that he would write God's word on the hearts of his people. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he takes his word and he puts it in our hearts so we can understand God's will, we can know God's will, we can do God's will, and we can be empowered to do the works that Jesus Christ has done for us. Thank God. Now notice what Jethro says to Moses here. I think it's around verse number 23. The benefits that he mentions to Moses is that if you'll do this, if you'll appoint these men, these captains, to do this, if you'll teach them the law, Teach them the statutes. Train them how to discern and to do, to do the works that you're doing. If you'll do this, listen, he said, God will direct you and 
you will be able to endure and all of this people will go to their place in peace. <laughs> I believe that describes a spirit-filled church, folks, amen, directed by the Lord, amen, directed by God. In fact, Jesus, when he told his disciples, now listen, I'm going away, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a helper so that you're not alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And when I send the helper to you, the Holy Spirit, Jesus specified at least eight different things that the Holy Spirit does uh, in the life of a believer for a Christian. Let me just list these very quickly. Um, number one, he says, he'll indwell you. The Holy Spirit will be uh, with you. He'll be in you. Aren't you thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit? That even in difficulty and trials and adversity, I think Belinda said it earlier, even when other friends might forsake you and leave you, we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen. We have that witness of the Holy Spirit that we are the children of God. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? Amen. So he dwells in us. Number two, it says that he will exalt Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit didn't come to exalt me, to lift up my ministry to make my name great. The Holy Spirit has come to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and to exalt him in, in my life. Number three, uh, Jesus said the Holy Spirit comes to remind us of what Jesus taught us and what he did for us. He is that helper. He is that teacher. In fact, not only will he remind us of what Jesus taught us, Jesus goes further and he says, number four, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. In other words, the Holy Spirit will be that source of discernment for you so that you can understand the word uh, of God. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for the word of God? And I'm telling you this morning, every believer has access to the truth of God. I'm so proud, I'm so glad that the ladies, and I hope some of the men are also, that we, they are reading God's word from cover to cover because I'm telling you, the word of God is truth, amen? And when you read it with the help of the Holy Spirit, when you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit, God, would you please illuminate your word to me? Aren't you thankful you don't have to have a master's degree? You don't have to have a bachelor's degree. I've known people who didn't even know how to read and write, but they began to study God's Word, and the Holy Spirit began to reveal truth to them through God's Word. Aren't you thankful for that, that we have God's words? Thank God. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us all truth. Number five, he, uh, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will convict us, that he will... Um, that he will convict us, number one, of sin. He'll con convict us of wrongdoing. There was one time, there was one day when you were away from God, living in sin, separated from Jesus Christ. And thankfully, you heard somebody preach, somebody testified to you, somebody told you about Jesus Christ, and here's what happened. The Holy Spirit came in that moment, and it wasn't just that your mind was convinced, it was that your soul was convicted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicted you of sin, and you said, you know, that's the truth. What they're telling me is the truth about Jesus Christ, and I need to repent of my sins. How many remembers that time, that day, when the Holy Spirit came? 
came and convicted you of sin, and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord. And so he convicts us of sin. He convicts us of righteousness. Now the Holy Spirit is still working in our lives to convict us of righteousness. The Bible says that he'll be that voice behind us saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it, right? Not, not to the left, not that way. Don't go this way. Aren't you thankful for the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into truth and righteousness and, and explains to us and helps us to know how to live in such a way to please God and convicts us of judgment. He warns us of impending judgment. So that's number five. Number six, he guides us. Just like Jethro said uh, to Moses, if you'll do this, the Lord will guide you. The Lord will help you. Aren't you thankful that the Holy Spirit is our guide, that he shows us the direction that we should go? Number seven, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. He'll reveal the things that are coming in our life. And then number eight, the Holy Spirit will empower us to be witnesses for, for Jesus Christ. Jesus told his disciples, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. Oh, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit, aren't you? I'm thankful for the comfort that he brings. I'm thankful for the help of the Holy Spirit, that I am never alone, but that the Holy Spirit is that helper that can help me to honor God in my life and to obey him. In verse number 18, let me wrap this up. In fact, Mike, would you come to the piano? In verse number 18, this is what Jethro says to Moses. Verse number 18, he says, the burden that you're carrying is too heavy for you. And he says this, you are not able to do it alone. Can I tell you, Christian, you are not able to do it alone. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thankfully, God knows that. God knows you can't do it by yourself. You can't please him through your own works and through your own efforts. God knew that. And that's why he has given us the Holy Spirit to help. That's why Jesus said, it's better for me to go away. Because if I go away, then what I can do is I can send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll teach you everything that you need to know. He'll reveal God's truth to you. He'll remind you of everything that I've told you. He'll glorify me in your life. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. You'll know God's will. You'll be able to do God's will. And what's more, he will empower you and give you the ability to do the works that I'm doing. In fact, greater works because I'm going away. And, and the ministry will be multiplied thousands, millions of times over. <laughs> because we are all able to receive the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? So you're here this morning, some of you are here this morning, and, and you may be carrying a burden, and I'm telling you, the burden's too heavy for you. You don't, you're not able to do it alone. 
Thankfully, you don't have to do it alone. God's given you help, the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.